Welcome to the Future Lab, the podcast where we talk with and about the people, companies, and ideas building the future. From startup founders building the next unicorn to someone leading innovation at a Fortune 500 company, experts in emerging technologies, or people creating the cities of tomorrow. I'm your host, Chris Berry, and in each episode, we talk with innovators and creators to learn what they're working on and how they're doing it. The one thing they all have in common are building the future. Thanks for listening to the Future Lab. Let's go. Welcome back to another edition of the Future Lab. Today we are joined by Jerry Valentine. Jerry is the founder and CEO of Renter Mentor. Renter Mentor is a for-profit social enterprise. And through their services and tech platform, they helped connect people to affordable housing. The idea was first pitched at Give Back Hack Columbus, a weekend hackathon for social good in April 2019, where the team won the competition and received seed money. The group was then accepted into the 2019 Sea Change Signature Cohort, a 14-week startup accelerator for social entrepreneurs that allowed the team to develop the concept, product, and win more seed money and in-kind contributions for their launch. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate you having me. You know, I'm very excited to to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited for this. Um, Been looking forward to this conversation. Uh, Let's start with this. You're the founder, or you're a startup founder, um, but your startup is a social enterprise. What does that what, what does that mean? Not just I guess for your company, but more broadly, and then we can get into your company. But what what in general is a um, social enterprise? Absolutely. So um, when you hear the term social enterprise, when a business says that they are a social enterprise, essentially what they're saying is that their business is tied to some type of um, uh, economic cause or environmental cause. Um, so whatever they, whatever service or product that they're offering that there's, for example, maybe a buy one, get one that they give, you know, uh, a product to, um, you know, maybe let's say uh, homeless people in the shelter, you know, for every two products that are bought. Um, or do you just have a, a business like mine, which the social, the social enterprise, um, impacts the social impact that is involved is already just kind of naturally embedded into the business with affordable housing and just helping connect, you know, people to, um, uh, you know, the affordable housing ecosystem. Um, so you got this many different ways that you can a, a be a social enterprise business. Um, it's becoming a more, uh, a more attractive slash trendy business, um, model for people just because more you get more we're we're seeing a the fact that a lot of buyers are you know tied to a, a lot of social missions um that are going or not social missions but social causes um that are taking place and they're more you know reluctant to go into you know a coffee shop uh like Roosevelt Coffee House here um in Columbus Ohio where you know, they make donations to different causes um, with purchases through from purchases from their shop. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely a, a business uh, setup structure that is becoming more popular throughout central Ohio. And, and you mentioned Roosevelt Coffee. That was that's a good example. And one I was thinking of another one 
um, more locally, or at least to Ohio, I think is hot chicken takeover. That that's another yes. social enterprise, correct? Yes, okay. it is. And then what what about at scale? Um, or, you know, larger companies that have either evolved from startups or, or kind of that's been their business model. Um, any that you're kind of aware of, the example for maybe bigger brand consumer uh, goods or, or, or whatever type of business they might be? Yeah, the, the first one that comes to mind is Tom's Shoes, um, okay. which basically they make recycled shoes, uh, shoes from recycled goods, to be more exact. And for every shoe that is purchased, they give a pair of shoes to, you know, a foreign country, um, a third world country. Um, uh, so that's more on a global scale where, you know, your purchase here in the United States is affecting someone in a third world country. Um, I think that's probably one of the better models that I've seen and, you know, uh, at least more uh, attractive one um, that's pretty popular, at least in Ohio. What what drew you to social enterprises and in, in you have you definitely have an interesting background um, and, and you can I'm sure get into that and share some but of of in your day job you noticed a, a problem or a challenge but b- before going into kind of renter mentor and your specific story I guess in general um, what what kind of led you to that side of entrepreneurialism um, to kind of get involved from from that angle yeah so just na- by nature I'm a person that's very um, purpose driven. So if I don't see the bigger picture in things nine times out of 10, that I'm not going to be too, I guess, consciously involved, um, as I like to call it. Um, so this started back, uh, I, you know, back in 2015, where I co-founded and chartered my my first business, which was a 501c3 nonprofit nonprofit organization called Get Out Network, uh, where we offered K-12 STEM and uh, art workshops for underserved, underrepresented youth. Um, and that whole business kind of started off as I was, it was uh, something I started in college. It was, I was making money doing, uh, videography and photography for different student organizations. And, you know, I was actually making pretty good money doing that. Um, after, you know, post-college moving to Columbus, you know, I, I had developed a real love for especially videography, um, and photography. So, I was just trying to figure out like it it wasn't filling me up just doing, you know, pointless projects or just projects for, you know, monetary value. Like I like the, the projects that had some type of purpose to them. Um but I also had to look back and see exactly what was the biggest what was the problem that I was actually solving. And I realized that I was helping people um fill a kind of skills gap, you know, like they didn't know how to use the software system to edit a video or they didn't know how to use a real, you know, digital camera to take a professional photo. Um, So it was like I had those skills. So it was like, oh, well, me and my current, you know, my partner uh, that helped me charter the organization, we were like, well, it just seems like, you know, we could kind of start teaching people this. You know, I didn't want to be a, you know, cameraman and, uh, you know, uh, photographer forever. So it was like, well, what can I do? Um, and then that's kind of how the nonprofit kind of sprouted from there. Um, and that's kind of diving deeper and deeper within, you know, developing that mission. Um, so that's kind of where the whole social entrepreneur in me, uh, started that business is, like I said, I started in 2015. 
um, it is still active and I serve as the current president of that that nonprofit right now. Um, so it's been we've been a, a business uh, 501c3 for five and a half years now. Um, and then my most recent venture with Rinser Mentor, um, that stemmed from me working at the Columbus Metropolitan Housing Authority and really seeing two needs. And, 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 and Jerry, sorry to interrupt, but I think that's really interesting. And I, I want to make sure we kind of uh, explore that a bit more that you, you were, you know, you had started this nonprofit. Were you working on that full time or was that just something that you had a passion, you saw uh, an opportunity to make an impact and you launched it kind of like as a as a side, you know, nights and weekends when you're still in your in your normal nine to five. Uh, definitely was uh, more full or uh, halftime uh, project uh, with nonprofits. It's hard, especially being a new, uh, newly established nonprofit. We were just happy that our programs could be free and that it was funded, or you know, that we were getting venues and and, and materials and things for free. Or you know, we were. Getting small, smaller grants, you know, between ten, fifteen thousand dollars, but you know, not really big money, just because I didn't necess- I didn't have the time to fully dedicate myself with having a full nine to five as well with it. But you know, st- still sticking to it, and um, was just like as long as you know, I'm not having to you know fully go into debt. <laughs> Uh, trying to to cause, but I was very passionate and still am. Um, mostly just trying to 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 bridge the digital divide. Um, and seeing the need for you know more uh basically supplemental curriculum, uh, STEM curriculum, um, to go into you know the school systems and after school programs, especially those who you know are in uh kind of the lower demographic areas. Um, because we all know, and COVID is only proven right now that without being, without having some type of tech skills, you know, the basic tech skills, um, and the access to the basics needs, like, you know, a laptop, Wi-Fi, that you essentially cannot function in today's society. And that's just the, you know, the reality of it. Um, and I'm, you know, was just such a, and still am such a huge, um, advocate for really, you know, digital inclusion. And so in this time, when did you move to Columbus? I moved to Columbus in 2013, the summer of 2000. Yeah. Okay. Summer of 2013. So 2013. And then did did you start and you started to get into this, but you took it for full-time work. What were you doing? For full-time work um, at that time, what was I doing? I was a night. <laughs> I, well, so look, I was fresh out of college um, for full time work. I was actually a night auditor for the Spring Hill Suites by Marriott uh, out in Gahanna here. And it made sense for me because um, I was a third shift position. So I came in from 10 to set, 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., um, which allowed me to work on Get Out Network, you know, during the day. Um, so I wouldn't go like after I got into a routine of actually, you know, the third shift thing, um, I was able to, you know, maybe go back home, eat a little something, go to sleep for an hour or two. And then I'm up and I was, you know, making business, you know, runs as far as having a bunch of business meetings, building partnerships, you know, working with different interns. It was at one point in. It's, you know, the organization is chartered here in Columbus, but it was one point where our the business 
Um, my board is the board for Get Out is that uh, di- very diverse, and it comes from a, a, a diverse group of people from all over Ohio, actually. So, um, and it mainly people that I went to Ohio University with um, that got on my board. We were a board of uh, seven, including me. Um, but I got board members in Cleveland and Cincinnati, and then I was here. So we were really able to actually become almost kind of this state, um, uh, the state kind of wide business, you know, um, and throw programs in these three basically major cities in Ohio. Um, so, you know, we were doing pretty good, had, you know, a lot of interns and stuff like that. And just the opportunity, just because back in 2015, at least, you know, the whole diversity and inclusion and digital inclusion and stuff like that was not the buzzwords that they are today to get funding and the doors and opportunity. So I was kind of very new. Um, it was ma- mainly the bigger corporations that had like a, a, a digital equity or digital inclusion type initiatives. But like there wasn't really too many, um, you know, like local nonprofits that were out here really advocating um, on the level that we were. Um, so it was a, just a good overall space um, to just be in. And um, it just so happened to work out, the you know, that I could, you know, be the night auditor. <laughs> for, you know, for Spring Hill Suites and then, um, you know, still work on that. So I was a night auditor for about two years and then I ended up quitting, but still not. I ended up quitting and then getting a part time position um, at the Athletic Club of Columbus. So my education background is in um, exercise science. So um, that's actually what I went to school for, even though I'm not doing anything in it currently now. Um, but I went to the athletic club, I got that job and it was a part time and it made sense. Again, I I was only taking jobs that made sense. Um, it made sense because it was a part time position that I could really pick up hours anytime, um, that I wanted if I needed more. Um, and it didn't, I could really do whatever I want up there. I was an athletic assistant, um, there and, it allowed me to one build a, a good network um, with with the members there, um, and you know further my mission, further kind of expand my mind as you know as an entrepreneur in general, not even just on uh, just my current business at the time, uh, but just really expand uh, my my mindset, just being around um, that those that mem- those members at the athletic club, uh, and I did that uh, for another about. A, a year and a half, you know, really just part time and, you know, doing get out, um, you know, on, on, on the comp on the flip. Um, I did that. And then I got an opportunity um, to work at the Columbus Metropolitan Housing Authority. Um, and that's when kind of like things kind of really changed as far as my um, my business that my next business venture, which is renter mint. Sure. And and. and- so you're in this new job with the Columbus Metropolitan Housing Authority, um, and, and clearly, while you were there, you saw a need for, you know, a, a private sector solution to help people um, with affordable housing. But when you were at the uh, at, at the housing authority, what was what was your role there, and and what was the the journey to discovering this this need for this what your current business is? Yeah, so to kind of talk about my housing authority 
journey, which is is actually pretty amazing how I was able to that opportunity kind of came into my life. So uh, one of my best friends from high school, we didn't go to the same high school, but she, you know, was in, in my you know peer group. Um, her dad is actually the president and CEO, Charles Hillman of the, the housing authority. And we ended up, you know, I didn't even know she had moved here to Columbus. I'm from Cincinnati, by the way, for those who don't know. Um, but I didn't know she even had moved here, but we ended up by connecting back in 2016 and, you know, kind of almost, uh, like we were friends, but we weren't close friends, but actually developing a close friendship. Um, as we reconnected here in Columbus and she started bringing me around her, her, her father and, um, you know, just throughout the different things, you know, him finding out what I was doing and, and whatnot, um, and just kind of getting to know me more as a person. It was just kind of one day that he kind of brought up like, Hey, I, I, you know, we got a opening, um, as at the receptionist, uh, at the front desk of the, at the housing authority. Um, and he just kind of said it in a way where it was like, it's an opportunity is there. Um, you know, he just kind of, he just threw it out there. And when he threw it out there, it just kind of made me think on like, come like, okay. All right. And at this time, like I said, I was working part-time at the athletic club, but I was getting ready to turn 27 that spring. So my birthday is actually this Sunday, May 3rd. So I was getting ready to turn, uh, 27, uh, or whatever the age is, I think, yeah, 27, that spring. But they all, they all start to run together, don't they? <laughs> yes. I, I <laughs> after, after a certain age, it's like, I don't know, it was, it was in this general time frame. <laughs> yeah. So I was getting ready to turn 27 um, that spring. And um, I was like, I'm getting ready to get off my mom's and dad's insurance. You know, that, that's the, the legal age that you have to get onto your own. So now, you know, benefits is a thing like, oh, I, okay. I need benefits. Um, so I was, you know, I've kind of prayed on it and I circled back and I started off and as a receptionist, you know, and I, I gave myself a, a timeline in my head as I was like, look, this is not an ideal position for me as far as, you know, where I want to be as a starting position, but it was a new industry. I, I never had any type of affordable housing experience or exposure or background before that. So I knew it was a good place to start to just learn the industry. So I was like, I gave myself a year to learn this business. And if I don't get a promotion, then um, I got to go. Um, but I ended up uh, getting that promotion within eight months, you know, really diving real deep of just learning and just, you know, not really realizing what all the housing authority really did. Um, and as far as a business standpoint, you know, I knew about the rental assistance and stuff like that, but I just really didn't know exactly how many arms um, and layers that the business really had. So, um, so, so I, could, could you kind of, at, at a, and you don't have to go too deep into it, but give a, I guess, an overview of what housing authorities do. And, and the one you're working at is Columbus, but I presume that most major cities or counties based on, you know, geographic regions and whatnot all, all have something at least similar. Um, so, so what was kind of the overall mission of, of the housing authority, at least while you were there? Yeah. So you're, you're exactly right. Um, the housing authorities, there, there is a public housing authority for all counties, um, um, throughout our country. Um, so, um, 
basically the mission is to not only provide uh, affordable housing rental assistance and subsidy, but to also provide uh, access to necessary social services. Um, so what does that mean? So supportive services like um, case management, um, job, uh, workforce development programs, um, uh, let's say access to different resources, food, um, uh, Wi-Fi, all type of different things that really like it's this hybrid of a business. Um, and even from not like it, taking the, the real, the, the taking housing and just going from providing rental assistance to actually owning their own, you know, uh, real estate portfolio. Um, stuff that I did not know. I just thought that it was like, oh, you know, the housing authorities just issued out rental subsidies and that was it. But it was like, no, they're really they're really a strong player in the front line of, you know, um, the affordable housing crisis that are that is going across the United States, um, you know, across all different um, states and cities. So. Um, and so you're at the housing authority and, and yep. you're you're working nine to nine to five, like most people do. Um, but you start to, I, I assume you start to notice a, a problem or a challenge that, you know, yep. like a lot of, you know, for anything as, as businesses get created, it's because people notice something and, and you're sitting at a, you know, typical job for benefits, which is, you know, a, a really nice thing to have. Um, so what was the, what was the thing that you started to notice and what were kind of those, those early stage, like ahas that, Hey, there, there might be an opportunity here to, uh, leave and do your own thing. Yep. So like I said, at the front desk, you know, early start, you, you, you notice different patterns because you're dealing with everyone who comes to the business, you know, from the, the clients that are currently on the programs to people who are the general public who are inquiring to be on the program or want to get on to just who's doing business with, you know, the housing authority, you know, um, so you get a good inkling of the day to day and, you know, the actual ins and out of the business. Uh, the first problem that I started noticing was the fact that there was a huge gap between the tenants that were, you know, that were, there were, that had a, uh, a housing choice voucher, um, which is also known as section eight, um, a section eight subsidy voucher. Um, and then the landlords who, you know, they are trying to connect with in the private market. It was a huge disconnect with that process and them connecting. Um, the landlords didn't know where to find the tenants and then the tenants didn't know where to find the landlord. So it was a huge gap and figuring out what was OK. Well, it was like, well, what are you using to find this? And as a policy at the housing authority at the time, our thing, whenever someone would come up and ask that we would say or you know, that they would ask, like, hey, I need help finding the landlord. We would have to say you know, hey, we only provide the rental subsidy. You know, we don't get into the landlord for for legal reasons because uh, housing authorities found themselves getting into basically um, these legal disputes uh, with tenants who had, who were getting bad landlords or slumlords um, and they would blame the housing authority. So housing authorities yeah, just basically and, and said, then, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and a housing authority is a, is a public entity, correct? So correct. I presume that's part of why they can't be picking winners and losers. And, you know, it's not really perhaps their spot to provide yeah. that information about like what an open marketplace looks like. Um, it, exactly. So, Especially gotcha. being dependent on, you know, like they, you, we need tenants 
to to give the, the rental subsidies that we're getting this federal government money for to to fund. And then you need the landlords to actually run the program. You know, the private landlords for that program really are the heartbeat of it all. Without private landlords accepting the voucher, then the program, you know, dwindles, is not effective. Um, so uh, I saw that was the first disconnect. And then overall, the industry, the affordable housing industry and just being public, the public sector industry is very outdated. It's, I consider it comparable to the manufacturing industry. Um, right now, the manufacturing, you know, the tech is getting got real innovative with kiosks and, you know, more smart machines and analytics that are going into the machines. But, you know, very much, you know, five, 10 years ago, the manufacturing machines, vending machines and stuff like that, very not sexy per se. And that's the same with the affordable housing industry. It does not have much innovation going on, um, which means which from which why that's important is because there's really not a lot of tech. It's a lot of manual processes still going on, um, a lot of old ways of doing business that is just like, why are we still doing this? You know, why are we still mailing out these letters like this when we can be getting these people's emails or, you know, directly have a some type of app or some type of software that does and automates these processes. So those were the two issues that I were really much seeing. So starting at the front desk, uh, like I said, I got my first promotion within eight months with the company. Um, I went into the applications department. I, I, I became a housing advisor in the application department where I was actually um, a part of the team that was pulling from the 26,000 wait list that we managed and actually distributing the vouchers and going over program rules and regulations um, and the compliance process. Um, and then uh, about a year later, with uh, they shut down the wait list. So meaning they were not actively pulling anymore from the wait list. So it was a freeze. Um, and then I uh, then got to another department where I was working into the intake and leasing department, where I still was working with the tenants, um, but also got to work more with the landlords and to learn that side of the business and to know what the landlords needed from a compliance standpoint in order to be to get transitioned uh, accordingly into the uh, ecosystem, into the, these different programs. Um, and the more so that just was giving me more knowledge. But I kept hearing those same the same two problems, you know, landlords. It was a lot of administrative holdups that would happen. Um, just because the, 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 that's just how the, the housing authority was structured. Um, it was a lot of delays and processes and it ended up just like that, you know, it's like, oh, what is big deal? So what? It's like, no, it's a big deal when you have a person that is waiting to move or transition out of a shelter, um, being, you know, held up because of administrative burdens, um, because of inefficient processes. Um, so, and, and, and as you're, you're starting to realize this in, in central Ohio specifically, cause that's kind of where the jurisdiction that you're working in, uh, did, did you start to look across the state, across the, the country to see this has, th these problems have to exist in other places. And what, what did you find? I found that it, and it was scary that I found that it wasn't just an affordable housing issue, that it was an issue throughout the whole private market, housing market. 
um, as far as the different things that were going on in the housing market as like as far as people, you know, the different uh, slumlords that were out there, housing scams that were going on, taking place like uh, landlords stealing application fees and, um, you know, not fixing properties and just all these just malicious things that were going on in the market. And I just saw that it was like, wow, this is like a big thing um, and a huge problem. Um, and I was also seeing that, you know, the bigger housing authorities, like a, a New York or a Chicago, um, where, you know, they're bigger and have more money, even, you know, like they were trying to do some type of innovation, but it still was not there. Um, and you just have to look at just public sector, city government, whatever, those entities in the whole, they're always usually the last industries to catch on to tech trends and technology infrastructure, um, which to me, you would think they would be the first adopters because of the, you know, the amount of people that they are intended to supposed to serve. And you would think that they would want to do that in the most um, efficient way as possible. But it's a lot of budgets and political guidelines that just happen that just does not make it happen. So I knew and, and that. Well, I was just going to say that. So as you're coming across these discoveries, um, I, I find that, and I'm sure a lot of folks have, haven't heard of or um, haven't really heard much on like a give back hack. So, mm -hmm. so you have my understanding from the, talking with you even previously is that you have this idea, you're starting to see all these challenges, problems, which, you know, a couple steps later can become opportunities to help people and to, to, to create something. Um, what, what was the catalyst for you taking, you know, these problems that you had, uh, to a place like give back hack and, and, and what, what is give back hack? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'll answer the what is give back hack and then get back into how I that sure. opportunity kind of came into my life as well. Um, so give back hack is a weekend, um, basically hackathon for social uh, enterprise ideas. So basically, and, and it's, it's a, and it's in it's in just in Columbus now, or it was. The one you went to is a Columbus one. I know it's expanded to a few other cities, but this is a, a physical gathering where people come together and over the course of a weekend, you, you know, and, and you, I'm sure you can take it from here, but you get together and solve problems. But, it, but it, this isn't an online community. This is a, a truly physical presence. Yes, it's a physical presence. And I had did my first hackathon is what they call them is these gatherings. And there are gatherings of, um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, developers, um, creatives, you know, like a real mix of this, uh, just real creative, uh, basically business people in, in their own different forms and fashions. So, um, you put that, you put, you know, that group of people in a room and pitch, you know, different ideas, you get, you know, innovation and, and what give backpack does is offer a, basically they call themselves the launch pad for social for social ideas. So whenever you're at a kind of a, in the, the ideation phase of a, of a business and you're not really sure, you want to go find your hackathon where you can pitch it, see who is drawn to it naturally um, and how you can form your teams, do some um, initial validations um, and hack up uh, an initial pitch um, is what you do. So like it's a 72 hour event. And on Sunday, you, you, you're preparing for, you know, a five minute pitch. Um, in front of the audience and judges. And um, we ended up, 
I ended up, uh, you know, getting the idea uh, of doing Get Back Hack. I was still at the housing authority at this time. Um, but at this point, I was helping the housing authority doing stuff out of my current roles um, of the housing authorities um, where I was trying to basically help bring um, what I was doing with Get Out Network, my nonprofit, and figure out how we can start giving digital workshops um, to the clients that we serve um, and was working with the VP of residential services to help bring that to the properties that the housing authorities, those digital workshops to the properties that uh, the housing authorities own um, and ended up setting up a meeting, a meeting with Derek Dehart um, and uh, ended up just kind of talking about what we were trying to do at the, at the agencies. And that ended up leading to me, you know, him talking about like, Hey, you know, you know, I'm doing give back hack and, you know, just the, you know, basically they're, they're having a big push for diversity and inclusion, um, into their programs. And he was like, you know, he was giving me different ideas, but he was like, also like, why don't you try it, you know, come into the ecosystem and see. And it made sense because if you're trying to bring people into the ecosystem, it only makes sense to indulge your personal self to do that more efficiently. The more people can, you know, know you um, within a particular, uh, you know, ecosystem, the better it is to bring someone else on. So that was my whole reason of signing up. Um, and I had signed, I had signed up almost because I had talked to Derek so early, I had signed up like literally right when they opened up the applications um, in uh, like February. And by this time, I was like, well, I got this idea of how I want to improve, you know, the, the landlord tenant search and make a more secure way to do that. Um, and that was my opportunity to do that. And um, I came, I pitched the idea as a, you know, solar uh, a solo, um, you know, kind of founder. Um, and I was able to uh, attract three other people to move the idea forward. We ended up, you know, um, taking first place in that competition and moving on and getting traction. Um, and that led and this was, us straight And, and, and as you're saying, this is April. This was just like a year ago, right? This isn't... Just a year ago, just, yes. Yeah. Okay. that's. I, I didn't realize it. I thought it was a... A longer time frame, so it's impressive that to, <laughs> to see how far far you all have come since then. So you're at Give Back Hack, Hack and you, you you build this team and you pitch it and um, end up doing well and, and getting some you know you're getting validation and people are poking holes in the idea. Um, at this stage, had you and I know you were then you you went into essentially a a, a pre accelerator um, over the summer. Um, but as you're building and out and evolving, when, when did it take shape that, Hey, th this is, this is an idea, but I think there's actually a business to it as opposed to kind of, uh, and I don't know, maybe did you walk into the, the first day of give back hack and kind of think like, I, you know, I'm, I'm just interested to see where this goes. When did it start to kind of flip for you that this is like a real thing and a real thing that you were going to pursue? After it was in the middle of sea change, the pre-accelerator. Um, it, we, it was a business session that we had and the, the one guy, he gave me an idea. I, I, I can't remember his name to say the life of me, but his presentation was on the diversification of your business model and how to, you know, make sure that you're offering the right services to your potential customers. 
and and how you can kind of pivot off of your current business model. So at the current time, Renter Mentor was a strictly just a tech based business, a software based business. It didn't have any, you know, consultant services to it um, like how it does now. Um, but he had brought up uh, basically something that made me like, wait, we need to have like we need to offer some type of like personal touch to it in order to make it work. And then as I, you know, was trying to figure out what that personal touch was and what that looked like, um, I started doing a bunch of research and just start seeing all these different programs and and whatnot. And I was like, oh, I'm literally doing what I'm what I'm trying to do is what I'm getting paid for right now at the housing authority. And when I saw that, I, when I realized that, I was like, in order for me to do this fully, um, just because I, I'm at a public, you know, entity that I have to kind of, you know, I have policy guidelines and stuff that of things that I can and cannot say um, in order to like better guide people. Um, I was like, I have to kind of break myself, you know, from the housing authority. And uh, in order to have this freedom to really build this business the way I need to. Um, and I was like, as a consultant, I can make the money right now, you know, with the current um, Columbus ecosystem in affordable housing. We're in a 54,000 unit deficit. We're in a cry for new landlords to start opening up their doors. I was like, I can be almost, you know, like the love doctor, the real estate love doctor and be the the recruiter. Right for these landlords and bring them in and to make sure I, I realized it was an educational gap. You know, it was a, it, it was a, a big educational gap um, of the affordable housing where people just, it wasn't like they were opposed to it. They just really didn't know what it actually entailed. And with our market here being so good and, and booming the way it is, it was, you know, it was like, I, you know, it was no reason to even go out your way <laughs> to really try to figure it out. You know, because you could just go in the private market and get whatever you, you know, your which is your command really here. Yeah. Um, and, so and so I saw a lane. So today for 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 renter mentor, uh, as you mentioned, it, it, it you've uh, you've added because I don't want to say you've pivoted, but you, you've increased offerings and what the business does as a startup um, to include both, you know, building out software, but then also the consulting um, but w- where does it stand now? Cause you, you ended up quitting your job. Um, you know, your nine to five that had benefits to take this, this leap on an entrepreneurial pursuit. Um, but where, where does the, where does renter mentor stand today? Yeah. So renter mentors, like I said, we are, we still are building out that software. Um, and, uh, that, uh, we're actually getting ready to, to launch our, our true MVP. Uh, so going to pre alpha stage with that, which is, is huge. Um, especially with the amount of funding that we were able to, to kind of get and then to pull off, you know, to pull off, uh, the software that we were able to build, um, uh, with the team that we had was just amazing. So I'm excited to actually finally be able to start testing the software out in the market with a few agencies that we, uh, have agreements with, um, for May. Um, but also with the consultant services, um, you know, it really was an opportunity for me to, to like go out on a almost recruiting campaign and, and go. So it's been, it's been good. And even with COVID, it only, you know, we were already in a crisis, you know, before COVID. And this has only put us back, you know, 
even more. So I don't know if you saw the most recent statistic, but over a third of, you know, renters did not pay rent this month. Um, so, you know, with eviction courts being suspended and, and everything else until June right now, it could get pushed back further. That's only more and more problems. Um, I don't think a lot of people realize when you're at the stage of eviction, that means you're already two months behind on rent. So if you had people that are already was up for eviction that now are like you can't, there's no legal document, you know, there's no uh, hearings going on right now. So it's been what, about two months since all of this. So that's now yeah. those people who are already up for eviction. Now this landlord is now four months without rent. So and that's just work. You know, that's a best case scenario. Who knows oh, how yeah. long that that landlord could have possibly even been trying to get a hearing. Um, so the problem is, is, is just getting worse. And it made it almost uh, um, even more of a need and more for validation for us. So we're in a good place um, as far as um, our services. A lot of landlords are looking for the next thing, um, like especially landlords with vacancies right now. Um, they're, you know. They're looking They're the not the normal private market tenant is not moving right now. But there's a lot of people that are we're waiting on a landlord or waiting on um, a home or a unit to open that had a that has some type of affordable assistance and that you can start getting paid right here, right now and start um, kicking up that revenue. So landlords and realtors and uh, they're starting to. To, to reach out more for the consultant services to onboard them into the ecosystem. So the consultant services is doing good. Um, and we also, what COVID had also proved as well is it showed a uh, the infrastructure in the public sector. A lot of public sector entities are not technically, infra, uh, were not, are not technically uh, equipped to be working home remotely or to even operate their regular day-to-day businesses. So even like the current housing authority here, it's not operating as a current, as it would a day-to-day just because they don't have the technical infrastructure to streamline those processes um, or to do them remotely fully or in a more efficient manner. Um, so we also added a, a another arm to that consultant um, with our developer where he can go into, you know, these smaller um, housing authorities are these smaller agencies that uh, do some type of uh, rental administration or casework in order to help them build custom uh, technical business solutions to help them streamline those external processes that they, uh, you know, in order to get their businesses back up to flow. So I'm excited about that arm um, because that was something that we weren't thinking about until COVID happened. And then we saw the statistics come back. And luckily, we got a team. Um, that can do that. And, and, and we're like, saw that opportunity was like, Hey, we can kind of, you know, go in there and b- help these smaller businesses who may not have that budget, you know, that enterprise level budget, um, and offer them the, an affordable tech solution to help the problem. So it's a, it's a, we're in a good space and I'm glad that we are because my whole point and even being a member of uh, Ohio X, you know, the whole point of it is to bridge that gap between technology, the tech tech industry and the housing industry and bring innovation to that space. So we're in a very exciting space right now. So I'm, I'm yeah. excited. Where, um, where, if you were to draw up 
what does success for you look like for a renter mentor? Is it um, scaling it where you're doing work across the country and it's and it's largely a software platform that, that people can use? Um, but what I guess yeah, just what is what do you hope it grows into? Whether that's you know three, five, ten years down the line. Yeah. So the kind of short term vision um, of how I see it is definitely the the software platform is our you know our scalable business um, across the country. Um, what's going on here in Columbus is definitely going on in other markets and in in some cases like San Francisco they're worse. Um, and there was a need of you know a renter mentor like yesterday. Um, so, um, I definitely see us, you know, not going all the way to San Francisco, San Francisco initially, but definitely doing this, uh, how, how we say it within our group is, you know, we're in operation Ohio takeover right now. And right now we're based, we're, we're really, you know, trying to, um, take over this test market here in Columbus and be that organization that's in the forefront for innovation in the housing space. Um, and it's like, once we, you know, I feel like once we finish testing out here in the, uh, in Columbus, scaling up to Cincinnati, Cleveland, um, and then, you know, across to the nation, uh, all the, the overall big vision and, and why I say that it's not just an affordable solution. This is a real estate issue across the board is that this is really could be a global platform, like an Uber, um, and I can give you an example of uh, it's this documentary. I'm not sure if it's still on Netflix. It's a docu series that was on Netflix called Slumlords and um, Terrible Tenant. And it was a docu series that was based in London. And it was giving you different cases of just different slumlord situations and different tenant situations. None of these um, Tenants are, were affordable housing tenants or no voucher subsidies or rental assistance to subsidies attached at all. This was just private market, you know, bad tenant landlord relationships being showcased on this docu-series. And just seeing the <laughs> what was going on, even in a in a market like London, um, and just seeing just like the different things that, you know, landlords were getting away with and, and tenants as well and seeing like the opportunities for our platform. And what it really with the security of the the, the security of the uh, landlord tenant process, um, I was like, we could really make a, a big impact globally, you know, if built, you know, if we build this thing out right, you know, it, it's a scale. Um, so that's that's the overall big vision is to, you know, I would love to to be a global uh, tech company that is really making impact, you know, into different countries, you know, because it, like I said, it is a problem and, um, and, and, and not just a United, United States problem, you know, either. So yeah, that's, that's um, my, my vision. Yeah. And that, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. And, and, uh, now's as good a time as ever for anyone to try to see if, if that is on Netflix, because, uh, <laughs> or as we're all quarantined at home and there aren't many outdoor options, um, or at least outside of the house. Um, that, that's a good, that's a, that's a, that's a good recommendation. And, and I think you're right that, um, affordable housing, um, to begin with, and I know you've it, kind of building it beyond that, but, um, is something that, uh, I think a lot of people know exists, but I don't know if people really understand either why it exists or what just truly it's like for people. Um, 
even within our own cities. I mean, we're, we're talking, although albeit remotely from Columbus, but um, it's, 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 it's in every city and it's in neighborhoods all around us that, um, you know, for those of us fortunate enough not to have, you know, concerns around affordable housing, um, it's, it's something that I know certainly, you know, people take for granted and, and until you're in, you know, the, the need for help, um, it's, it's difficult to understand. So thank you for bringing light to that and sharing just a, a challenge that is literally in our own, you know, our own backyard, you and I's, but then literally it doesn't matter where anyone's calling from, as you mentioned, San Francisco. And I know there's so many other places across the country that, um, it's a, it's a massive challenge. And, um, you know, in Ohio's for us, we're, we're probably, um, you know, we're, we're not as densely packed. And so it's, it's perhaps a bit easier to, to find housing or at least get around, but, um, it's, 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 it's something that's, it's, it's a problem. And so that's, uh, that's, that's really great that you're trying to bring innovation technology to a space that, um, is probably long overdue for it and, and how it can help people. That's, that's, that's pretty powerful, Jerry. So thank you for sharing your story. Anything as we wrap up, anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to, to get across or share with people? Um, just to kind of just real quick to just tap on just like, you know, what you said, affordable housing and just that term in sure. itself, you know, um, people like, oh, affordable housing, affordable housing. If you think about it, no one is everything is affordable housing, you know, because no one is going to buy nor rent anything that they can't afford, you know, that and, and just trying to just actually break a mindset of what that actually is, you know, because affordable is market, you know, that right. is, you know, the, the point that overall point that I, I try to make um, when talking to people, especially people who are really, you know, kind of, just you know, inquisitive of the space is that if you really think about it, you know, like it's when you say affordable, you know, you had a budget, you know, for whether you rent or you, you own of what my house, you know, what type of house that I was going to be able to live in or what type of apartment that I was going to be able to move in. Um, so just think about just that, but then just also just realistic with a market like the Columbus where the, the rents are, you know, are growing faster um, oh, and yeah. going up as quick, you know, that sometimes, you know, it's like, okay, I can't even come up with a budget because I can't, I don't have enough income to really afford this on a monthly basis, you know? Um, so it's just, from a uh, just a humanity standpoint, it's like when you really understand the problem, you know, it, it, to me, I feel like people sh- almost should kind of like, well, what can I do to help in this space? And I'm not saying everyone needs to be a landlord um, or anything, but there's different ways, whether it's, you know, being a landlord and, and accepting a Section 8 voucher and just trying it out, you know, a tenant and seeing, it, you know, what that is like for yourself and experiencing it. And then, you know, maybe diversifying your portfolio that way, your real estate portfolio that way accordingly. Um, and Or if you're, you know, someone like me who's like, hey, I don't own real estate, but I got to, you know, I see issues and, you know, I got an innovative mindset where I can come up with this business model that can help. And um, I think that's just kind of my call to action um, just from that human humanitarian as, you know, standpoint. Um, but, you know, just stay tuned with us. Um, we have when the world opens back up. I'm excited for that um, because, like I said, there's a lot of good things that's going on. There's a lot of um, different funding allocations that the federal government is opening up because of COVID and because of, you know, housing crisis is only getting worse and a lot of innovative funds. And you're going to see a lot of, um, 
you know, innovative programs starting to pop up. And um, I just want you guys to stay in tune with Rent for Mentor because I hope you, you are going to be seeing us more and more, um, you know, especially here in Columbus, Ohio, with what we got to work. So we, our website, we're finishing up some graphic design stuff. Um, but that will be um, ready in the next week. So sometime um, in May, that first week of May, um, which will be uh, rentermentor.net. And that's where you can learn more about our consultant services and then the software platform in itself. Um, and then, like I said, we are also um, working with uh, some some agency partners throughout the city to go into alpha test phase uh, with our software. So just stay in tune with us. Yeah, that's great. Thank you for sharing that, Jerry. And then beyond rentermentor.net, uh, where can people connect or find you and, and you know, whether it's shooting an email or uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, whatever, whatever you prefer? Mm-hmm. So for the business platforms, we have um, a LinkedIn, we have, which is, you know, just our name, Renter Mentor. We have Instagram, uh, which is Renter, Renter underscore Mentor um, on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, we also have a Facebook, which is just the Renter Mentor as well. To, to connect with me personally, um, I'm Jerry V513 on all social media platforms um, and via email at info at rentermentor.net. So. Awesome. Well, Jerry, thank you very much. Um, I've really enjoyed this conversation. I've enjoyed seeing what you've built over the past year or so with uh, Renter Mentor. Um, and I, I also very much appreciate, um, that, you know, you're, you're sharing your story, but also bringing light to affordable housing and, uh, the challenges that, that do exist. And as you said, it, it, it's everywhere. And, um, and so it's, it's cool to see something, you know, being built right here in Columbus that will hopefully, uh, you know, help, help fix some of those problems and bring innovation to a space that probably desperately needs it. So thank you. Thanks very much for being here today. Thank you for having me and thank you, you know, um, you and Ari for, you know, this platform that you guys are building with Ohio X for us. Um, you know, I know the the year hasn't started out ideally, you know, with it, because I know that the, the, the vision for you guys with the platform and whatnot. But, you know, thank you still for pushing forward, you know, digitally and and providing, you know, different options for us members um, to still en- engage and connect um, and still have these conversations. So thank you for the, this platform and thank you for having us um, having me today. So thank you. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Jerry. And, and yeah, as I liked, I've, I've said a few times, uh, we launched Ohio X in December, early December. So right before the holidays and right before a global pandemic. So we have pretty incredible timing um, from a from a launch perspective. But it's it's been going well, and um, the best part has been you know having conversations like this to help share really incredible stories because there's so many of them um, that are happening all across Ohio and and by Ohioans beyond. So it's, it's, it's been great and I've really enjoyed this. So thanks again, Jerry. Thank you. 